It is the Colby Daniels Podcast. I am Colby Daniels, joined by my co-host, Will Brewer, for our weekly MMA slash combat sports episode. Will, what's happening, man? Man, uh, it's it's been a good week in sports, just in general, with, uh, with you know, MMA, of course, boxing, of course, but then, of course, you have NBA starting back and NFL's uh, high right now. Uh, baseball is high right now. You know, just it's a good time to be a, a sports fan. But, you know, I've been looking forward to uh, chatting with you because I wanted to make sure that you were OK after that uh, Cowboys Patriots game uh, on Sunday. I, I mean, I know that was a roller coaster of a game. I know you probably had some choice words for your beloved head coach, but I just wanted to check and see if you were good, man. Uh, we won, right? I say we like yeah. I'm a part of the team, but uh that was one. I'm great, man. I'm great. <laughs> Sunday afternoon was rough. And it was one of those, I, I know you've been in this boat as a fan of the Packers. It's one of those games where your team is clearly the better team, right? And and controls the game almost entirely. But it's like every time they have an opportunity to like score, they shoot themselves in the foot, right? It's it's the Cowboys missing on an early fourth down play and not, not moving the chains and turnover on downs and throwing an interception in the end zone and then fumbling at the goal line which would have been another score. And all of a sudden, it's like halftime. You've dominated the first half, and you're, you're behind on the scoreboard. Like, how does that happen? And it just continued the whole way. And I was just so frustrated because it's like, they're clearly the better team, but they couldn't turn yeah. anything into a positive sequence. It was like one step forward, two steps back. One step forward, two steps back. And when they missed the field goal with, like, whatever it was, three minutes left, like, to say that I was pouting like a child... <laughs> would be a massive understatement. I was, I was, I mean, just all time, like pouting tantrum, just disgusted. And then Trayvon Diggs happens. Yeah. And I went from pouting like a baby to jumping, literally jumping <laughs> up and down, like cheering, like the Cowboys just want a playoff game. Right. And then here's where it gets real crazy. So I'm, I'm watching it on the back porch and because I'm watching it on the back porch, it's I'm streaming it. So I'm a little bit behind as far as real time. So I'm like jumping up and down, going crazy. And Dusty Dvorak, who's also a Cowboys fan, sends me a text. And it says, no. <laughs> so I stop my Super Bowl-like <laughs> celebration. And I'm like, what? Like, what's ha- what happened? Like, what what's going on? Why, why is he? Like, he's a Cowboys fan, too. Why is he sending me this? Yeah. No text with all these exclamation points. So I'm like, okay, are they going to call it back? No, the c- touchdown stands. Okay, Dallas has the lead. Okay, they're kicking <laughs> off. I'm like, what on earth could possibly go wrong? And then literally the first snap is the 64-yard touchdown answer by the Patriots. Right. So I spent a solid like 60 seconds just waiting for something really bad to happen. And then when it did happen, I was like, it's. I, I don't know if it's better or worse that I witnessed it knowing something bad was coming, but... I went straight back into not pout mode anymore. Like, just like I'm done with everything. Like, let's just call it a day. I want to go to bed. This is yeah. awful. <laughs> uh, to have like the to snatch the victory with the pick six and then feel like you lost it. Literally seconds later, uh, and then they you know then they have the football again. They're driving. Uh, you know, I just I just thought there's no way. And even on the 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 game winner, uh, oh. I just thought uh, like something bad's going to happen. That's just been the, the story of this game. Something is going to happen, and, and then CeeDee Lamb scores, and it was a massive sigh of relief. I will also say that we had a birthday dinner to attend that we were supposed to leave with about three minutes left in regulation, and I was like, I'm not leaving. So, uh, I you know, 
I don't know if we need to send a text message or make phone calls and just say, hey, right. we're going to be late or whatever. Proceed without us. But I'm not leaving yet. So we were late to the birthday party. They waited on us because I'm I'm a, a child and ha- have to watch the end of, of the game I'm watching featuring my team. But I was like, I'm, I will not step out of this house until this game right. ends. So. Well, let me let me at least say uh, say this. CeeDee Lamb is a was like the perfect guy to come into this Cowboys offense because it seems like he is just never rattled. And every catch he makes, it just seems like it's just supposed to happen. He makes all the big plays. Uh, he's he's great. And then uh, Diggs, of course, oh, like how can you forget yeah. about what he's been doing? Like the pick six, like I, he's got an interception in every game this season, yeah. right? Like it, it's it's insane how good his hands are and how fast he is. Like I think the Cowboys, they're they're onto something. I I, I feel like there are some Cowboy fans who are realistic or kind of like I don't know if I want to get too excited just yet, but I think. I'm starting to think there's cause to be uh, very excited about where this team is headed. It's just the fact that they're able to win yeah. games like this uh, says a lot. I would say this. If uh, if you are buying in, I think it's totally reasonable to buy in because I think they are as good as anybody else in the NFC. If you have been hurt so many times by the Cowboys that you're not willing to open your heart yet, I totally <laughs> get that as well. But if we're just evaluating like how good teams are to this point in the season – I think it's 100% fair to say they're as good as anybody in the NFC, and therefore, if they maintain that the rest of the way, they're going to have a chance. Yeah, uh, as far as the top five teams that I've seen, the Cowboys are definitely up there. And I'll I'll, uh, say this. I have to uh, get this in about my Packers. Uh, Did you see Aaron Rodgers? Did did you see Aaron Rodgers with the rushing touchdown and the the title sign and all that, man? Oh, yeah. I I think he's locked in. I I think he's here. He's ready. Uh, they've, uh, they've only got one loss on the season. Uh, I mean, these these games are getting a little too close for comfort. But uh, I think that A Rod is um, locked in. Yeah. I, I was I wasn't completely sure about it at first, but I think he's here. I think he's ready. Yeah. Hey man, a win is a win in the NFL. Absolutely. Make no excuses <laughs> for winning football games in the NFL. Like that's wins a win. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, the NFC, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Bucks. The Cardinals, the Rams, like the NFC is juiced. Stacked. Yeah. It's going to be uh, interesting to see how the playoff, like whenever the playoffs come, who's going to be matched up with who, who's yeah. got to play where. Uh, we're going to we're in for a, a treat in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Dude, we're ten days away. Ten days away as we record this from UFC 268. It's oh man, it's crazy, and the fact that we've got two pay per views back to back. I feel like I'm putting uh, the MSG card on the on the back burner, like not really on the back burner, but I'm like, is because I'm not used to pay per views being back to back. So, I know. like this, we've got a big pay per view card coming up in ten days, and then the next one's the week after. It's just, it's just, it's crazy. But I'm, I'm. Wait, did so I, I said two sixty eight, didn't I? I meant two sixty seven. Right, right, right. See, yeah, yeah, see, you did it. too. I did it too. Yep. <laughs> I thought. But, wait. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> we we've suffered, not suffered, but you know, these cars these last few weeks have been. Uh, lackluster, I guess. I mean, there's been there's been a lot of big events that's been happening around the sports world. So uh, the UFC is kind of you know they've not really been stacking their cards, but we are in for a treat uh, with 267 and 268. Uh, both of these cards are stacked, especially uh, this first one uh, in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Uh, two title fights, and then just from top to bottom, these fights are uh, are outstanding, man. I can't wait. Well, look, I mean, I think a couple things. You have to give the UFC credit for the amount of big time cards they've produced week after week after week for a long period of time now, right? So, I mean, I can probably say in the last, you know, since they've they've started putting out fight cards basically on a weekly basis, 
the last two fight cards have probably been the weakest two fight cards in that entire time period. Right. Which tells you, number one, great job by the UFC to put out a great product on a weekly basis. I mean, it is it has been week after week after week of great content. But secondly, there's nobody left, man. Like, the next two pay-per-view cards are so loaded. Like, there's nobody left to put on a, on a fight night card. So... Uh, they're they're at least giving us something to pay attention to, but the the names, the matchups, uh, everything we're going to watch in the next few weeks uh, is it, blockbuster caliber. Absolutely, and and then on top of that, um, this uh, two sixty seven, it's free. I mean, it's going to be early in the day, but uh, it is free on ESPN Plus. Uh, tune in because you will not be disappointed. Uh, I can't wait for it, man. Just, I mean. I'm a, you know, we're hardcore fans, yeah. and these, these last two uh, or three, like the whole month of October, these fight cards, and even going back to the Surreal Gone and Derek Lewis pay-per-view card, um, the, I mean, outside of 266, there hasn't yeah. been too much to look forward to, but like now with with all these cards that are coming up in the in the next few months, like I am ecstatic, I'm geeked as a as a hardcore MMA fan. I can't wait for these uh, for this big card, um, and Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira. I am. I, I feel like I'm a little bit more excited than I should be, but I am very excited for that fight. Yeah. I'm so excited for Peter Young, Corey Sanhagen. I'm so excited for Islam and Dan Hooker. All these fights, I am over the top excited for. Yeah, it's it's going to be a great card. Uh, I will have everything ready bright and early Saturday morning. Uh, I will have football available on other screens, but the center point of Saturday afternoon is absolutely going to be UFC 267, which I I cannot wait. Cannot wait. I think. Um, like OU, I think has Texas Tech that day, so it's not like it's a you know, uh oh, they're on upset alert or anything like that. Right. Um, I forget. Uh, OSU's big matchups obviously this weekend against Iowa State, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of lines up perfectly on Saturday where two sixty seven will be the uh, the feature presentation of the afternoon. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of Yawn and Glover, will uh, how about two hundred and five pound division in the sport? Yeah, we've, uh, you know, John Jones relinquished the belt and we've gotten some movement uh, of, of 205-pound fighters from, from promotion to promotion. Um, I feel like now you've got other organizations like the Bellators of the world who kind of think that they have the best 205-pounders in the world. Um, but to Jan Blahovich's credit, I mean, he's got, he's got something to say about that. Uh, the run that he's been on... Uh, I mean, he's he's beaten Israel Adesanya. He's beaten Dominic Reyes. Um, John Jones isn't in the picture anymore, so he's the best of the best. Um, Glover Teixeira, he's you know he's won five or six in a row. He's proven that he's back. Uh, but you know what Bellator is doing that that light heavyweight Grand Prix. When you looked at it on paper, you kind of thought to yourself like, wow, does UFC have have eight light heavyweights that are as good as these eight that are on the that are on the screen right here? So. Um, you know, Bellator has cause to be confident in what they have over there. But, you know, the UFC, there's a reason why they're the best promotion in the sport. Uh, you know, I know I was a, I was a prisoner of the moment when I said, you know, maybe uh, maybe uh, Jan and Glover is just like a little bit more exciting than uh, than Nimkov and Corey Anderson. But, you know, it yeah. took me all of about 
12 hours and then I woke up and I was like, yeah, yeah nah, I'm definitely more excited about Yannick Glover. I'll say this. Like, I, I, I like Scott Coker. I think he does a great job um, as a, you know, an ambassador of that brand. And he seems like, you know, for as much criticism as Dana White maybe gets for being all about business. I mean, Scott Coker at least kind of presents himself as a fighter friendly type of, of face of the organization. Um, so I, I get the comments about, you know, the best 205er on planet Earth that will be the Bellator champion. And look, the bottom line is that, that Grand Prix is a success because whether all of those guys are in the prime of their career or not, it's full of big names, right? That Like, that is a big name Grand Prix. And a lot of those guys obviously made their name in the UFC as well. But, I mean, Corey Anderson getting starched by Yawn the last time they were in the octagon, and that's really what put Yawn into the, you know, the next level I, I, I just have a hard time saying that uh, him being the winner in, in Bellator makes him the best 205-er when the champion in the other division that he left is the guy that starched him, and that was his last fight inside the octagon. So, uh, And look, Nimkov, you know, he got he got rocked one time in that fight, but, but for the most part just completely dominated his matchup. That's going to be a fun fight, right? Like, it's going to be a good heavyweight or light heavyweight fight in Bellator, but... Uh, I, I'm not there on either one of those guys uh, being viewed as as the number one guy above Yon at the moment. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, I, I think I was just really, really impressed by how Corey Anderson ha- has been looking in in Bellator uh, to to do that to um, a former two division champion, Ryan Bader. Um, I thought it was really impressive. He he took him out in, in under a minute. Uh, so I think I was just like, you know, a prisoner of the yeah. moment, but you know, when you, when you step back and you, and you look <laughs> at it, like Jan did sleep him and it was a vicious knockout. Yeah. Like he left him motionless in the middle of the octagon with John um, Jones watching, right? With, with John Jones watching. And, uh, that was supposed to be the next fight before John Jones, uh, released the title. So, um, and, and Corey Anderson does have a win over Jan, but that was way back when, uh, way before Jan was ever in title contention. So, yeah. Uh, they were both young in the sport, so you know I don't know how much weight you can really hold on a win like that. Uh, but of course, Jan can say, "Bro, I just slept you. That's why you left." <laughs> so, yeah. um, and you know, just the the matchup of Jan and Glover, knowing that these are the two best light heavyweights uh, at the moment, uh, and then you have uh, Yuri Pohaska waiting in the wings, Alexander Rakic, Anthony Smith. Like the light heavyweight division in the UFC is starting to really take shape. Uh, you still have, um, uh, I mean. I don't want to say this with too much confidence, but you still have Johnny Walker and Thiago Santos in there as well. Um, yeah. But, you know. Dominic Reyes. Have, Dominic Reyes. Yeah, Dominic exactly. Reyes fought John Jones better than anybody on planet Earth. We disagree on what the score should have been, but the bottom line is he fought John Jones better than anybody else has. And then his other two losses are to Jan and Yuri, for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jan and Yuri are at the top of the division. Dominic Reyes is still very young in the sport, but you can see massive amounts of of potential yeah. for him to do what he did against John Jones and only his 12th or 13th professional fight. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So he's got a lot of potential, uh, Dominic Reyes and, you know, Anthony Smith's been around the sport forever. Rocket just burst onto the scene. Like there's so many guys, uh, at 205 in the UFC who just doesn't have as big of a name as some of the guys who, um, in Bellator, who are people are used to seeing like the Anthony Johnson's or, or the UL Romero's, um, but when you look at these guys from top to bottom in the light heavyweight division, they're really starting to uh, it's really tar- starting to take shape. So, um, I mean, Scott Coker can say that uh, he thinks he has the best as he should as the promoter of Bellator. He should think that absolutely. But uh, but the UFC it's it's still the the A side for sure. Yeah. I, I always love when something like this happens and people are like, "What an idiot!" Like, 
<laughs> what is he supposed to say? Right. Is he supposed to be like, yeah, you know, my guys are good, but they're definitely not the best. No. Like, what is he supposed to say? I Getting getting the blowback sometimes that, that guys get for comments like that, like, what do you want him to say? You want him to be the representative of Bellator and be like, yeah, you know, we're not really close. No, right. that would be stupid. <laughs> like, Right. I mean, what, I mean, yeah, what do you expect him to say? You don't expect him to be like Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons and say, well, I don't know if we can win a championship with him as the point guard. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, you, you, want, you want the guy, you want your promoter in Bellator to have your fighters back. So, um, in, in front of the media, regardless of what he thinks outside, and I, I truly think Scott Coker really thinks that, uh, that his guys are the best in the world. So, um, in front of the media, for sure, though, you know, have, have your fighters' backs. And yeah. uh, there's cause to believe that, um, even though it's even though I don't think it's true, there's cause to believe that you have uh, a really solid light heavyweight uh, roster, and you and some of the guys can stack up with some of the guys in the UFC. You never know. I mean, Corey Anderson was ranked number three or four yeah. whenever he left. Yeah. Uh, Phil Davis was ranked number five or something whenever he left. So these guys are kind of just like middle of the pack uh, in the UFC that just went to Bellator uh, because the money's better there for them. So um, there's cause for them for them to believe that they have some really solid uh, light heavyweight fighters. And they do. They do. Like, if if Phil Davis and Corey Anderson and Nimkov, I would even say, if they were in the UFC, they would all be, all three of those guys would be top 10 guys. Like, so, For sure. yeah, I mean, Absolutely. it's it's not like they're not good. Uh, they're just not Jan, who's pretty right. pretty special, you know? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, it, look, I, I think it was also one of those, it was a situation where that division was looked at as so poor because you had one guy reigning over it supremely for so long that like none of those guys were ever going to get the right amount of traction no matter what they did following the reign that John Jones and even DC had at 205 right like it just regardless of how good Corey Anderson was I mean Anthony Smith I think still suffers from a little bit of this like you just had somebody dominating that division for so long that all the guys that were behind what might be the greatest mixed martial artist of all time are just kind of viewed as like, well, they're not John Jones, but who is? <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it got to the point where John Jones had basically cleared out the division, like on two separate occasions, yeah. DC as well. Like outside of them two fighting each other, there wasn't much um, to, there wasn't much out there for, for either one of them. So you take you remove them from the from the division, and then you look at the rest of them, and you're just like, ah, I mean, I don't really see, I don't really see much. Um, I mean, of course, you had Dominic Reyes, so everyone thought that Dominic Reyes was going to be the guy, yeah. right? Like he he had just took John Jones to the limit. It seemed like John Jones didn't want to fight him again, uh, or like he was scared to fight him again. So everyone was looking at Dominic Reyes as the next guy. He was he's young, uh, athletic. Um, all this. Reyes and but Santos, because both of those guys made John look more human than, than ever, right? Exactly. Santos, too. Yeah. Um, so, Jan comes into the picture, and I'm, I, don't, I don't remember what the odds were, but I, I kind of remember Jan being, like, plus, like, 200, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, not many people thought that Jan was going to win, but Jan dominated that fight. <laughs> I mean, uh, broke his nose. I mean, he had a, he had a welt on his rib from Jan kicking him so hard. Like it was, it was nasty. Um, Jan has really uh, emerged as one of the best fighters in the world. And I don't think he gets enough credit because people might think that the division is kind of soft right now. But I think um, when you look at all the light heavyweights in the world right now, I think Jan is, he's at the top, man. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like Lover Teixeira a lot. Um, 
I, I not that I really like have a preference in terms of which guy wins that fight, but in terms of what I want to see going forward, who doesn't want a Jan Yuri fight, right? Like that's that's as good as any matchup you can make in the UFC right now. Yeah, I, I think the division needs a fight like that. I think it would be a complete war. I think it, it would sell too. Um, One of those yeah, dudes isn't I mean, walking we, out. Like that's all it, I can say. Exactly. And the way Yuri goes forward, it seems like he doesn't fear any man. Like even if it was Francis, I feel like he would still go forward. Yeah. He'll he will take some shots to uh, to to have his way. So, um, but can he handle the power of Jan? Uh, there's there hasn't been many people, especially on this run that Jan's been on. There hasn't been many people who have been able to to withstand a big right hand from from Jan. We've seen Dominic Reyes fold, Luke Rockhold, Corey Anderson, uh, so many guys. You know, um, we like you said, Glover. It's hard not to like Glover. I mean, he's one of the nicest guys in the sport. But uh, and and the the road that he's had to climb uh, to just get back to this spot. I mean, his last title shot was against John Jones in 2014. It's 2021. He's on a five or six fight winning streak. And he's back in this position. So you commend Glover, but just the thought of Yuri and Jan fighting each other—I mean, you're just yeah. like ah, you, you kind of want to pull for 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 Jan. But you know, you you wouldn't be too mad if Glover won because he's such a nice guy. For sure, for sure. And uh, <laughs> you know, he he uh, dominated Anthony Smith last year. The the Glover Tiago Santos fight was just fireworks and bananas, and uh, he definitely earned this opportunity and. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this as well. Next week, we might have the two most likable dudes in the UFC, right? In the main event. For sure. You can make the argument those are the two most For likable sure. guys in the UFC. However, before we get there, we've got a main event this weekend that might feature two of the most unlikable guys in the entire UFC. Or maybe, maybe unlikable is the wrong word. Maybe delusional would be a better term. For, for the two guys that are going to fight each other. Maybe fight each other. I mean, we don't even know that this thing for sure is going to happen at this point, but we'll get to that fight card in a minute. But I did kind of snicker earlier in the week thinking about what is Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori matching up and I think the overall impression of those two guys versus the overall impression of the two guys that are going to headline UFC 267 next week. So uh, anyway, shout, where we began all of this is uh, shout out to Bellator and a terrific... Uh, 205 Grand Prix that has been wildly entertaining and mark me down as somebody that's excited for Nimkov Corey Anderson. Absolutely, that fight's yeah. going to be it's going to be solid. Um, Nimkov, uh, he's he's proven himself that he's the champion. Um, but Corey Anderson, ever since he's come to Bellator, he's looked like, I mean, he's really took a step. He's gotten better since he left the UFC. And I don't even think it's one of those things where he's fighting lesser competition, so he's looking better. I truly think that he's gotten better. His body looks better. Um, his power is there. So um, I think this is the uh, when you have a tournament, the two best guys will 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 compete for the championship, of course. And I think we've got the two best guys in them, Kevin Corey Anderson. Yeah. So I'm very excited. By the way, uh, Corey Anderson has wins over both Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira. I I forgot he beat Glover. Yeah. So, yeah, if I'm Corey Anderson, yeah. I'm, I'm taking that to the bank. Like, I got a, I got wins over both of these guys that are fighting for the title. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, again, I get why Scott Coker would make the comment. Uh, he's not going to say, no, my guy sucks. But uh, I, I just say, I, I disagree with the take. But, um, you know, put your guy out there. Like, it, why, why, why would he do anything but make the comment that he made? A um, couple of uh, interesting things. Did you see Kevin Lee was suspended 
today. Man, I I heard something about that. I I um I didn't see exactly what he was suspended for or what the length was, but I was pretty surprised by the news. Uh, apparently, it was uh, a stimulant, I believe is what I read, um, and I didn't see the length. I think it it said. What was the wording? It was interesting wording. I think it said something like uh, temporarily suspended or I don't know. It didn't give me the impression that he's going to be out for a long, long time. Well, you, you hope that it's not something that's um, that's crazy where he has to be suspended for yeah. a year or two. Um, he's already been out for so long um, with his ACL injuries and stuff. Uh, he just had a tough loss against um, Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of potential. Um, I personally want to see him move down to 155. I don't think there's anything for him at 170. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough, but you know, you just hope that he just gets gets his stuff right, gets back, and yeah. uh, starts making uh, better decisions. But you know, even then, there's so many things that could go into it. It could be a tainted supplement or uh, you know something that happened on accident. There, since there's no like real um, suspension linked or anything, there's probably there's probably still trying to come up with more information on what happened. So. Um, we don't know what happened, but we just going to hope for the best. Uh, did you see that we have an official date for, um, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury? No, where, what is going on? Where have I been with all this news? No, when is this date? December 18th, Tommy Fury, Jake Paul. Wow. That's come. That's soon too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I didn't think Jake Paul would take the, the Fury fight. I thought he would go back to uh, to another MMA guy, but maybe uh, he's running out of options that running out of options that he feels that that are easy options. Yeah. So he's uh, gonna take this Tommy Fury fight because you know Tommy Fury's fought you know a lot of guys who are whose record isn't very good. <laughs> he's fought so, bad boxers, but he's fought <laughs> boxers, right? Like that's right. the difference. Like bad boxers are better than bad non-boxers. Right, right, right. So just to, so now you put them together, putting Jake Paul, who's beating these uh, MMA guys, against uh, Tommy Fury, who's beating bad boxers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm very intrigued to see what that looks like. And and Tommy Fury is no small man. So um, I'm I'm interested to see how Jake Paul approaches this. Um, I, I I'll be tuned in. I'm I'm kind of pulling for Fury in this one. Yeah. Oh, amen. Yeah. Who isn't? Uh, <laughs> like. I think everybody wants to see Tommy Fury starch this dude. At the same time, the whole circus of the Jake Paul fighting anybody show kind of, I mean, that train ends if Tommy Fury does that. So it's like, do you want this to end or do you want to see the the circus continue? Right? Yeah, exactly. And at this point, um, I don't think people would really be sad if, if it ended, if Tommy Fury knocked him out. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of feel for T Wood though because he got that tattoo for no reason. Basically, it, it seems like Jake Paul is uh, basically goaded him in to getting that tattoo, and then it's just like, nah, I ain't gonna fight you. No, nope, so, uh, I don't feel bad for him. Tough. Yeah, bro, <laughs> you, you chose not to fight the first time around. Like, I don't feel bad for you. You chose to not fight the guy. Yeah, <laughs> in a fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he had chances to go out there and basically just have his way with him, but he just never pulled the trigger, just like in the UFC. And you you told me that you feared that this would happen. And I was like, nah, I, you know, Jake Paul's not going to take him down. Jake Paul's not going to kick him. You know, T-Wood has nothing to worry about but the hands. Yeah. But still, T-Wood is just standing in front of Jake Paul. And, uh, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I mean, we shouldn't feel bad for him, but at the same time, he got the tattoo thinking that he was going to get the rematch, and now he's not getting the rematch. So it's just like... Tough for him. No Tough sympathy for here. No sympathy here. You could have 
He could have finished it, but he, he chose not yeah. to. He chose to not engage. A um, couple of other headlines. Uh, did you see that Fedor said that this might be this upcoming Bellator card this weekend might be his last MMA fight? Now, I did see that. Um, Fedor, you know, when I first got into the sport, he was probably the biggest name, probably the biggest name in the sport. Um, just he was a killer. Uh, it's like a, 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 like a legend, right? Like a myth almost, yeah. right? Like. Right. Like a, a legend. Like when when he enters the room, like you, like people will, will acknowledge him when he uh, enters the room, like Fedor, uh, all of his fights, um, all the knockouts that he's had, his pride fights. Um, he's been around the sport for so long. He's so well respected, um, man. Uh, over the years, man, Fedor has been a staple of MMA and he's never fought in the UFC. And it's it's crazy. I think it's a, I think it's a shame that he's never fought in the UFC. If there's anyone who deserves the the publicity that the UFC brings, it's a guy like Fedor. Yeah. Um, you know, to you know, for the newer fans who don't know much about him, uh, I mean, go back and watch some of Fedor's pride fights, and you will see you can find him on YouTube, why. Yeah. Yeah, you will see why uh, he's known as such a legend yeah. because uh, Fedor was a was a monster uh, in his heyday. Um, you know, he did he started getting kind of knocked out as as time went on, but you know. Well, I'll, I'll always remember Fedor for the for the great fights that he put on in Pride and in Strike Force and everything. Fedor is a legend. If this is his last one, it's it's good that it's happening in Russia. Um, uh, you know, I I hope he gets it done, man. He deserves yeah. to go out on a, on a high note. Fedor in the UFC is a little bit like Sting in the uh, WWE, right? Oh, that's a perfect comparison. Perfect. I, I mean, granted, Sting Sting eventually did it, but yeah, yeah. But Fedor is he's he's never went. <laughs> he's all he's yeah. never went he's always went to the other to these other promotions and it's crazy because he's as big of a name as as anyone that's ever been in the ufc brock um yeah maybe not connor but you know brock lesnar ronda rousey all these people uh fedor was just as uh as big of a name as any of them i don't know anybody that's watched the sport you know i say the sport like outside of the ufc like the sport overall everywhere that's watched it for a long period of time doesn't consider fedor to be one of the greatest ever i mean he's in the breath of the greatest ever. So, anyway, yeah, maybe potentially last uh, last fight for uh, Fedor. Uh, other thing, I saw this like literally an hour ago. Modestus Bukaskis has been cut by the UFC. Uh, he's a, he's been on a on a losing streak, but he was pretty young still. Uh, you know, that's pretty new. Um, yeah, you know, if you're on a losing streak and uh, you're not showing any promise with the, with all these guys coming up from contender series. Uh, and, the, and the contender series fights have been out, have been crazy this season. Yeah. But with all these contender series guys coming up and uh, and, and everything, you know, it makes a guy like uh, Modestus, what, what's his last name? Koskis. Yeah, it yeah. makes a guy like him expendable. So yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm about I, I'm I think I'm two two contender series episodes behind. But good lord, the fights have been awesome. Like it's. I don't know how people, if you like the sport overall, like, I don't know how you can not appreciate contender series. Cause it's literally like a game seven. Every fight is a game seven, right? Like right. it's every fight is, and it's not only just a winner go home. It's a win and impress the boss enough to get the contract. Right. You don't just win to get the contract. Like every fight is if you win and you look really good in the process, you, uh, you're going to get a UFC contract. So it's, it's literally like game seven vibes, every single fight. It's, it's, so good. I love it. Yeah. Dana just wants, um, if you really want to be in the UFC, you have to show him. You have to show it. You can't just come out here 
um, and 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 lay on your opponent. You have to win. You have to win impressively. If you're if you're a guy who's clearly better than your opponent, he wants you to go out there and improve it. He doesn't want you to just ease by coast or, to or an easy win. Yeah, be. yeah, just coast. You know, he does, he doesn't he doesn't want that. You know, there's a lot of guys like that in the UFC. So he wants guys who are exciting, who will move the needle, who fans will want to see, who who will want to go out there and fight and finish fights. And uh, I haven't really watched the Contender Series before this season, but I, I made it a point for this season to, to watch the Contender Series. And I have not been disappointed, not one week, uh, that this Contender Series has been going on. These fights have been outstanding. Uh, all these guys have, that have um, gotten contracts, they have absolutely deserved it. Oh, and guys and girls, um, like you said, it's a Game 7. And yeah. all these fights are, are, are fighting like it is a Game 7. Like their livelihoods are on the line because when you look at it, it, their livelihoods are on the line, so um, they're going out there, they're fighting like it, and then after after the fights are over, when Dana is in the presser, you can just tell like he's so happy that he just sat sat there for three hours and watched uh, these these guys and girls go at it. Yeah, um, I, I love the Contender Series as well, man. It, it's it it's phenomenal. Did you say, did I hear you correctly? You hadn't watched it before this season. I hadn't sat and watched a, a full Contender Series oh, okay, fight. Okay, okay. Gotcha. But I have I had watched some of it, but yeah. I hadn't sat and watched the whole card. Oh, it's so good. I mean, every week it's just like I've never not finished a. Uh, I never watch it live, obviously, but uh, I never finish an episode and think, "Man, that was a waste of time." Like literally every time, I'm like, "Holy shit, that was awesome!" Every single time. Right. So yeah, that <laughs> same with me, man. I, I don't know how many weeks it's been, but like five or six weeks or whatever. But yeah. I'm with you. Every fight card has been uh, insane. Yeah. Uh, all right. Unless there's uh, any headlines that I missed and you want to hit, uh, we can uh, we can move on. Yeah, let's move on, man. All right. Uh, so UFC Fight Night, Dumont Lad, last Saturday. Um, you know, we talked about this last week. It was from a star power standpoint. It was probably the least appealing card of of any card this year. Uh, it, well, not probably. It, it was the least appealing card of any card this year from a star power standpoint. It uh, doesn't mean there weren't good fighters or good matchups, but just not a lot of big names, not a lot of matchups that would move the needle unless you're, you know, probably a hardcore watch every week kind of person, uh, you know, and I get that. Uh, that said, well, it was a pretty nice point weekend for yours truly. Yeah, man. Uh, I still got the lead. That's all you, I'm you worried do. about. You, you do. You still have the I'm lead. Not- I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get rattled yet. But you know, you cut down. You cut the lead down a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Four points. Four points. By the way, three points in the Norma Dumont over Aspen Ladd contest, and another point in the uh, Firo Buena Silva contest. Basically, what I've, uh, you know, I, I was about to say, I'm just clearly an expert in in women's MMA, but <laughs> I, I got the main event wrong last week. So you know, that, that's out the window. Never mind. Let me introduce you to Marina Hadrigan. Yeah, Marina, yeah. Okay, here, correction. I'm an expert in women's MMA in, in every fight that doesn't involve Marina Rodriguez. God that's bless. fair, that's fair. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but uh, yeah. Norma Dumont, Aspen Ladd, main event, uh, five-round decision. Uh, Andre Orlovsky over Car- Carlos Felipe, three-round decision. Uh, Jim Miller, by the way, gets a finish, and uh, I saw Dustin Poirier today tweet that the most impressive thing about Jim Miller is with all the fights that he's been involved in, he's never missed weight one time. Yeah, true professional. True professional, and once again, got another finish. And uh, I think his quote after the fight was like, I'll fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. So, 
paraphrasing. That, that's been his. That's yeah. basically been his motto his entire career. Uh, Jim Miller will fight whoever. Um, he's now uh, he's at a point in his career where he's just taking these fights and he looks better than ever. Yeah. Um, it's crazy because he's battled Lyme disease while fighting in the UFC, and now uh, it seems like he's got a, a second wind almost. Like there's a like his career has been rejuvenated since he's kind of figured out how to handle it. Um, but yeah, for Jim Miller to finish that fight the way he did, uh, he, the, he landed some, some nice left hands, uh, in the first round, the round was about to end. He landed like three, uh, big left hands and it really, uh, hurt Gonzalez. Yeah. Then second round, I mean, he wasn't, Gonzalez wasn't defending the left hand and he charged in kind of naked and Jim Miller just, just clocked him with that left hand. It was uh, a beautiful punch, folded him. It was over. You know, it was good to see Jim Miller get a finish like that because if anybody deserves it, Jim Miller does for sure. I don't know uh, if he called this person out or not. I saw it suggested on Twitter. I thought it would be a great fight that would be highly entertaining and I think people would would get excited for Jim Miller v. Cowboy. Yeah. Yeah, sign, sign me up for that. With how Jim Miller's been looking, um, I, you know, I haven't, we haven't seen Cowboy in a few months, which is kind of weird because Cowboy normally fights like once a week. <laughs> so uh, it, it's yeah. kind of weird. But, you know, both of them are kind of at the same uh, kind of point in their career. They're kind of on the back end, but they fight a lot. And I think if I if I'm correct, I think they both they're tied or Cowboys up one on like the most fights in UFC history. Um, so, I mean, yeah, put put those two guys in there. Uh, I mean, I, I know both of them would bring it. Uh, yeah, I'm in on that. Uh, yeah. That won't be a boring fight. Like, you can guarantee that. Absolutely, Absolutely not. Um, with how Jim Miller's been looking, and Cowboy's always down for a, for a fight. So, yeah, put those two guys in. I mean, it's almost, you know, the UFC did the BMF belt. Like, you could almost, like, have, like, an Iron Man belt and <laughs> on the line for Jim Miller and, and Cowboy. Yeah, and, and, and on top of that, Jim Miller's talking about fighting at UFC 300. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's fought at UFC right. 100, he's fought at UFC 200, right. and now he's trying to fight at UFC 300. If he's able to pull that off, he, give him the Iron Man yeah. title. There's no one that's going to be able to take that from him ever. Yeah. All right, let's hit uh, our last fight card before UFC 267. It is Saturday in Las Vegas at the UFC Apex. The main event is Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. We will talk all about the circumstances and just complete craziness that right now is swirling around that fight uh, when we get there. Uh, but we're going to make our picks, and we begin the main card in the light heavyweight division. We have Nick, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that name, at 10-1 and one overall <laughs> versus Ike Villanueva, 18-12 and 12 overall. Oddshark.com has... Okay, I will, try, I will attempt it. Negu Murano as a minus two ten favorite plus one seventy four Villanueva. Um, I'm just gonna say Nick. Nick. Uh, I I think that um, I think with him being such a heavy favorite, I don't think I'm gonna be able to bet against him. So I'm gonna go with Nick Negumurano. <laughs> Negumurano. Yeah, that's that's the best I could do. Yeah. I. You know what? Like. Here's just an idea for somebody out there if they want to, like, try and put something together. Maybe you make money, maybe you don't. If there was a UFC website that literally all it was was every UFC fighter's name and you could click it and hear, like, an audio pronunciation of the name, I would yeah. be on that website multiple times every week. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's what um, 
what the what the commentators have, uh, the UFC commentators, they literally have the guys and girls say their names and then they just put it on like repeat. So that and so yeah. whenever they uh, hear it and whenever they have to say it on the broadcast, it's just like second nature. Like John Eddick can just say these names so fluently, and I'm like, how the hell? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense now. Yeah. And and look, I mean. I, I obviously, I don't watch every card. I try to watch every card, but I don't watch every card. I certainly don't see every fight. And even when I'm watching, I may or may not even have the sound on. So, uh, you know, you may watch a guy not even, like, ever hear how they say it is, is the other part of this. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, uh, I'm not an expert on UFC name pronunciations. But moving on, we're on the same side of that one, by the way. We have... Welterweights in fight number two on the main card. Dwight Grant, 11 and three overall. Francisco Trinaldo, 26 and eight overall. Oddshark.com has Trinaldo as a minus 125 favorite. Grant plus 105. So this is a close one from an odd standpoint. Man, uh, Trinaldo, he was a staple at 155. Um, he, he fought all the, all the best guys. Um, and now he, he's moved up to 170. Uh, He's skilled enough uh, to compete uh, in this division, uh, but I feel like he's going to run into some to some size problems. I mean, he's pretty he's a pretty solid solid guy, but um, I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to roll with uh, I'm going to roll with Grant on this one. I'm going to roll with the underdog. Okay, uh, two for two. I'm going to go Dwight Grant as well. Slight underdog, by the way. This isn't a you know minus three hundred scenario. It's minus one twenty five and plus one hundred five. So it's it's pretty close. You know, we were talking about contender series a minute ago. This is a contender series alum. Uh, you'd have to say age and size are big advantages for him here. So uh, give me Dwight Grant as well. All right, fight number three on the main card. We head to the featherweight division. Alex Asaris, 18 and 12 overall. Sungwoo Choi, 10 and 3 overall. Oddshark.com has Choi as a big minus 300 favorite, plus 235 for Cesaris. If I, okay, this is the guy who had that crazy good performance last time out where he just dismantled. Uh, I forgot who it was, but it was like in the first round and he completely dominated him. And we. Julian uh, Rosa. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Sung Woo Choi and uh, Alex Caceres. I mean, Caceres has been looking really good uh, as of late, but uh, after a performance that, after the performance that Sung Woo Choi had his last time out, I know that's the reason why he's such a, uh, such a heavy favorite. Um, man, man, this one's tough because you know I feel like Bruce Leroy has been looking really, really good. Right. But uh, you know, Sung Woo Choi that last performance was just crazy, man. Uh, I feel like you're gonna pick um Choi. That's correct. So I am going to roll the dice and go with uh Alex Caceres. All right. Um. Yeah, he's been a guy that had really high expectations, right? And he had just kind of been like win one, lose one, win one, just kind of seemed to struggle to put together um, multiple wins. And all of a sudden, he finds himself on a four-fight win streak. Uh, I remember the last time I think he fought was Kevin Kroom, and we were opposite sides on that one. Uh, and I mostly picked Kroom. I love Kroom's style, but the old nickname, right, was uh, one of the best in the sport, and he changed it to Crash, unfortunately. And I, I still maintain that's why he lost, but that's that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, give me... I. I Sung Woo Choi was like, holy cow. Like, this is one of those, like, write that guy's name down. Like, that's that's impressive. I I this is I I, linked, I think this is a good matchup. Uh, I, I will be interested to see if he is able to back up the momentum he gained off the last one. But 
I mean, to, to beat uh, Zalal and then the finish against Arosa last time certainly put uh, Sungwoo Choi on my radar big time. Yeah, I remember watching that fight and uh, just being completely blown away by Choi. I don't. I think I picked uh, Erosa in that one, and I was Same. Uh, yeah. very regretful <laughs> after watching that fight. But um, did he have such a good performance that he's going to try to, um, you know, try to outdo that performance? You know, a lot of times when we see someone have a big performance like that, they try to do too much in the fight afterwards. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of banking on that and picking out Caceres because he's. Um, He's been there and done that. He's fought some of the best guys. I mean, he's fought Uriah Faber. He's a he's a veteran in the game, even though he's still kind of young. So um, I, I like his chances in this one. Yeah. By the way, uh, Kevin Kroom, if you could just get rid of Crash, go back to the hard-hitting hillbilly. <laughs> it's a great nickname, man. Like, it's a great nickname. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what possessed him to change his nickname from 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 the hard-hitting hillbilly to Crash. Like, yeah. I don't know. If he uh, if he has people in his corner who are just like yeah that's a good idea Kevin, man like crash, crash room sounds, like it's it's yeah, fine crash but sounds it's way just, better like feels so on, generic man. right yeah way too generic nobody has a name like the hard hitting hillbilly hard hitting hillbilly so good <laughs> and it, his style right like his style it, it's perfect exactly so. it's perfect and yeah crash just yeah. that's why he, that's probably why he lost like you said I I maintain <laughs> it I. I, I We'll see what happens going forward, but uh, I hope he brings it back. All right, we have uh, women's bantamweights. Jessica Rose Clark, 10-6 and six overall. Jocelyn Edwards, 10-3 and three overall. Oddshark.com has Jessica Rose Clark as a minus-140 favorite. Jocelyn Edwards is plus-115. Um, yeah, Jessica Rose Clark, she's uh, always she's fought some of the best uh, fighters. She's uh, been in there with Jessica I. She's been in there with Paige Van Zandt. Uh, She's fought some really talented fighters. Um, Jocelyn Edwards, on the other hand, uh, she's still kind of new in, in the game, uh, but we've seen her on a few occasions. She, I remember she came in on short notice, got a knockout, I believe, um, or, or a decision in a, in a fight that she was a massive underdog in. And then in the next fight, uh, she lost. So um, I'm kind of leaning towards Jessica Rose Clark. As a matter of fact, Jessica Rose Clark's going to be my pick. Um, I think uh, Jocelyn Edwards is still kind of green in the sport where Jessica Rose Clark has been in there with a lot of uh, solid fighters. So uh, Jessica Rose Clark for me. We're alike in so many ways. I was kind of torn on this, but I think the experience was where I kind of landed on this one as well. Um, So Jessica Rose Clark for me also. All right, our co-main event in the lightweight division. Uh, This should be a fun one, uh, at least uh, stylistically. Grant Dawson, 17-1 overall. Ricky Glenn, 22-6-1 overall. Oddshark.com has Grant Dawson as a minus 360 favorite, plus 274 Rick Glenn. You know, Grant Dawson, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of high on him. He's another one of these guys in the lightweight division that who, who's not ranked, but you can tell has a lot of upside. Um, you, can, you can just hear it in the record, 17-1. Uh I feel like this fight, this this is probably going to be my pick for fight of the night. I'm kind of, uh, it's kind of a toss up between uh, the main event if they actually fight, and then um, you know, Caceres, Sungu Choi uh, should be good, but Grant Dawson and Rick Lynn, I think that's a sleeper fight for fight of the night. Um, but with that being said, I think Grant Dawson's just uh, at at this stage in his career, I think he's uh, on the on the right trajectory. Um, I think with the win, he's going to have a really big uh, fight moving forward, but. Um, He's coming to the UFC off the Contender Series, and he's really uh, made a big uh, name for himself. He's uh, kind of had his way with everyone. So um, I'm interested to see what's, what's, uh, what's next for him. Yeah, this is Grant Dawson for me as well, and I feel like this is probably the win, especially at 155, that is going to open up a door for him to really take a big step 
in terms of level of competition. And look, you don't even have to go to the top 15 in, in that weight class to take up, take a big step in, in level of competition. There are unranked fighters at 155 that are, are just killers. So uh, Grant Dawson is, I, I'm with you. He's a guy that I'm high on. I, I'm curious to see how he continues to progress. I think this is a Grant Dawson win. And I hope that this is the one that propels him to, like I said, face uh, some of the other big names in that division. Cause there are plenty of killer matchups to be made at 155 without question. All right, Will. uh, I said this earlier in the podcast, uh, the main event of UFC 267 might feature the, the two most likable dudes in the entire UFC. This might feature the two most delusional fighters in the UFC. We have middleweights, if we can even call them that at this point. Uh, this fight will not, by the way, be taking place at middleweight. Paulo Costa, who is 13-1 and one overall, versus Marvin Vittori, 17-4-1 overall. I believe that uh, neither one of these guys has been in the octagon since losing a title fight to Israel Adesanya. And again, we'll get to the circumstance in a moment. Based on today's fight odds, before all this new information comes out, Marvin Vittori was listed as a minus 165 favorite, Paulo Costa a plus 135 underdog. As we began, or we actually delayed briefly the start of this recording because... As we were getting ready to do the podcast today, there was breaking news. Paulo Costa, two days away from making weight, says, I'm 211 pounds, and I'm not going to be able to make 185 in two days. If you haven't, uh, by the time you listen to this, wa- watched or listened to Aaron Bronstetter's interview with Paulo Costa, I would strongly urge you to, because I find it fascinating, uh, and not necessarily in a good way. But Paulo Costa is essentially saying... Like, yeah, I'm not going to make weight. I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, we're going to just figure out a way, a catch weight fight to agree to. By the way, Brett, Brett Okamoto, I saw a few minutes ago, tweeted out that he did a, an interview with both of them at the same time where they verbally agreed to a fight at 195. Again, we'll see how all of this plays out, Where what what weight they end up fighting at. But what a, what a wild sequence of events as we get closer to this main event. <sighs> yeah, man. Um let me just begin with uh, how delusional both of these men are. Um, Paulo Costa, since he lost to Israel Adesanya, um, just the delusion is just insane. I mean, talking about uh, he, he was drinking too much. and He drank too much uh, wine the night before the fight, right? Drank too much wine the night before the fight. Like, why would you even be drinking wine if that's true? Like, why would you do that the night before the fight? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and and he was trying so, in so many ways to just get, run that back, but... If Costa was to get into the the octagon with Adesanya again, I don't really see how that fight would be any different um, unless Paulo decided to move forward. But um, it's tough when Izzy is a, a master of distance. But um, uh, and then with Vittori, uh, he he truly thinks that he won that fight against Israel Adesanya. And I'm sure uh, if you're listening to this, you've. Uh, you've seen uh, Israel and Marvin fight that last fight on, in, in the main event of UFC 263. Uh, that fight wasn't close whatsoever. There was one moment where Vittori took uh, Israel's back, and uh, but Izzy got out of that situation, and it, it lasted all, all of about 10 seconds. Yeah. Outside of that, for 24 minutes and 50 seconds, Israel Adesanya was in control. So for Marvin Vittori, after the fight was over, uh, Israel was trying to give him respect, and Marvin said, man, I think I won that. And it, the look on Izzy's face, that should become a meme. He literally yeah. looked like this guy is... 
Like, there's something wrong with this guy for him to think that uh, he won that fight. So, and then Marvin does this interview where he says, um, what, what did he say? It's an illusion that Izzy was in control. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just an illusion. <laughs> it's an illusion. That it's he just was an controlling illusion. Like, the fight, yeah. Like people, like, people don't really know what they were watching. Like, come on, man. You were not in control of that fight whatsoever. You didn't win any round of that fight. Um, yeah, so both these guys are very delusional. And then for, for this whole weight thing to come out with uh, with Paulo Costa, that interview uh, with uh, with Aaron, it was it was crazy because it just seemed like he was really trying to dismiss, uh, you know, such a big part of the sport, making weight. Uh, yeah. You you signed a contract to fight at 185 pounds. The 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 limit is 186. This man is is claiming that he's weighing in at 211 pounds right now. To me, that's that says like he didn't even try to train for this fight. And I mean, I give I give it up to Marvin for being like, okay, let's fight at 195 or, or whatever the case may be. A lot of people would have just called the fight off, but I, I commend Marvin for that. But um, and, and and on top of that, in this interview, Paulo's talking. I I I want you to watch it just to just to see how um to see how delusional and how ridiculous Paulo Costa sounds yeah. because it's 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 insane talking about title shots and all this stuff like. You're not even making weight, bro. Like, how are you expecting that? So, yeah, go watch the interview. Just, just see how uh, ridiculous that Paulo Costa sounds. The fight itself, on paper, should be a pretty solid fight with how both of these guys fight. But you, you tend to wonder like what, where their mental space is, especially with Paulo Costa. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, you know, Marvin Vittori may be delusional about uh, how fights. Uh, like happen inside the octagon, and maybe part of that's because he's in there, so he's not watching. I don't know. Um, in no way, shape, or form did did Marvin Vittori even come close to beating Israel Adesanya. Uh, but the Paulo Costa part of this, you're you're days away from having to make weight. You haven't even attempted to make weight. I will at least give him credit for saying multiple days out, like, "Hey, I'm not going to make it, so let's try and and salvage this thing," as opposed to you know, potentially getting to Friday and he's 20 pounds over and then the thing's called off completely. So uh, it, it, I think they're going to be able to salvage it. It sounds like they're going to they're gonna fight at a catch weight, whether that's 195 or not. Credit to Marvin Vittori for doing that. But the, the fact that Paulo Costa was just so dismissive of this being an issue to me is what I think caught me the wrong way and just made me think like, what is this guy doing, right? Like to just completely dismiss any idea that, you're in the wrong here is wild to me. And, you know, he, he, I, I think at one point they reference like how when he fought Yoel Romero, he makes weight. And then on fight night, he came back and he was fighting at like 213 pounds. So his, his thought process is if I'm going to weigh this amount, why should I even have to cut weight? Like, that's not how it works, man. Like, <laughs> if, if you're able to gain it all back, that's fine. But that's not how this thing works, and it's not how it's structured. It's a it's a fundamental element of what this sport is to weigh in the day before whatever fight clash you're you're gonna fight in, and be equal with your opponent at that point. Otherwise, why do we not have Justin Gaethje matching up with Jan Blahovich and get you know like it's so <laughs> stupid that that he's so dismissive of why we have weight classes and weigh ins. And the part that that makes me think this guy just is. I, I don't even know what word to use to describe this. He wants to fight for the middleweight title. So he's talking yeah. about how weight classes shouldn't even matter, but he wants, to, and, and it's suggested that, you know, why don't you go start fighting at light heavyweight then? Why don't you fight at 205? Because it would only take a win or two to get in the title race there. 
He's talking about wanting to fight for the 185 title. Like, if weight classes don't matter, why do you want to fight for the 185 title? You know why? Because if you're a bigger guy, you have an advantage. That's why it matters, Paulo. That's why the weight class matters. For the same reason that you want to fight at 185 is why you have to make weight, because you want to fight smaller guys. That's why it matters. He's so dismissive of this being part of the sport and that it even matters. It's mind-blowing to me. Yeah. It, Bro, my, it, my chin hit the ground as he's, like, talking and describing his thoughts on this whole thing. And it's not only that. Like, you can tell, like, he's very serious about this. Yeah. Like, uh, and he's so dismissive of it. His face, like, it didn't really seem like he was very sympathetic about it. It just seemed like, okay, like, we should do the, the fight at this weight and uh, it'll be fine. Um, the, the guy even asked him, like, do you think you should give up uh, any uh, of your purse? And he's like, no. Um, uh, we signed a contract. If I didn't make that weight um, on the day, then, you know, then I would have had to do it. But in my mind, I'm like, well, basically you're saying – you're just you're just coming out ahead of it now, but basically you're saying that you're not going to make the weight that you agreed right. to. So technically, in so many words, you should give a percentage of your purse to Marvin Vittori. But one hundred percent, yes. Yeah, and then and then on top of that, Marvin Vittori is even accepting a fight at one ninety five, a fight that he didn't uh, agree to in the first place, but he's doing it just to just to fight. So that's even more yeah. of an incentive for you to give him a percentage of your purse. So uh, yeah, Paulo Costa, he's very delusional. Uh, he he wants to fight Izzy again because Izzy embarrassed him and gave him his first loss ever. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's kind of reminiscent of Deontay Wilder when he got his first loss, except Paulo Costa is just way more delusional, making all these excuses. Uh, and, and now at least Deontay made necessary changes and uh, and he was very professional. Uh, Paulo Costa is just going uh, on a on a downward spiral and it's it's not looking good for him. I think that's the reason why the odds are the way they are because despite. Paulo Costa being the number two middleweight in the world and Marvin Vittori being number five. Um, Marvin Vittori is the favorite. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, with where Paulo Costa is mentally. Yeah. And to add on top of all that, like one of the major elements of all of this, what, what makes it so like jaw dropping, he thinks that fighting at one night, winning a fight against a middleweight fighter at a heavier weight should earn him a 185 title shot. So because you're fighting another middleweight, quote-unquote middleweight, because you're only a middleweight if you're fighting at 185, but because these guys both usually fight at 185, he just thinks, like, we're both middleweights, so as long as we're both middleweights, it doesn't matter what weight we fight at, it should earn me a title shot at the, the lower weight that I'm not fighting at currently. Like, in what world does that make any sense at all? You know, I think that Paulo Costa thinks he's a bigger star than what he actually is. Because we've seen scenarios where a uh, uh, Conor McGregor will fight someone at um, 170 and then he'll get a 155 title shot or whatever. These are, I think Conor's an exception to the rule. One, because he's a former champion and, you know, he's such a big star, you know. He's like, a former champion and has, he's the biggest draw in the entire sport, yeah. Exactly. Like, Conor, Conor there's a reason that Conor has the privileges that, he, that he's had. He's earned it, right? But Paulo Costa, on the other hand, like, you were undefeated. You beat Yoel Romero, and then you got embarrassed by Israel Adesanya. Like, uh, I don't want to remind people of what Izzy did as soon as the fight was over to Paulo Costa, but it was not. Uh, it was not something that Paulo Costa should want to remember ever again. So, yeah. Um, yeah at this point, Paulo Costa is not. I mean, he's not. A, he's not even a, necessarily a draw like that. Uh, so for him to try to make these demands and stuff of of. Uh, I should get a title shot after a catchweight fight. 
uh, he's delusional of how big of a star he is. So, I yeah. mean, just there's so many ways that he's delusional. It's, it's just crazy. Uh, like you said, it just makes your jaw drop. Like, how can how can you actually believe the things that are coming out of your mouth and, and think that they're OK? It's, it's just crazy. Well, it's been in. Let's see. Today's what? Wednesday. OK, so Saturday will be one year since he fought last and lost to Israel Adesanya. He hasn't been in the octagon in an entire year since he lost his title shot. And not only is he not going to make weight for a big-time matchup against another guy that just lost a title shot, but you somehow think that the negative media attention you've had for blaming too much wine on your title loss, not getting in the octagon for an entire year, and then fighting another guy that also lost to Israel Adesanya at a weight different than the title shot weight you want somehow equates to you being a number one contender. Like, Paulo Costa is a really good fighter. Paulo Costa is one of the elite 185ers in the world. I Maybe Paulo Costa would be one of the elite 205ers. I don't know. But this idea that, like, fighting at any other weight but 185 somehow, like, the, the Conor McGregor rules apply to anybody but Conor McGregor is crazy. You can't, you can't fight at 195... And, and all of a sudden claim you're the best 185-er out there. Like, that's not how this works. If you want to claim you're the best 195-er at that point, then go for it. But this is a fundamental element of the entire sport that he just, like, is so dismissive of. It, it's... I, I can't wait to hear Israel Adesanya talk about this. I, uh, well, there's actually a video of him breaking down the fight. I don't think he's had a... I don't think he has a video of him, like, talking about how Paulo his uh, delusion about uh, making about the weight issues and stuff. But I think he broke down the fight and I heard the, the video was, uh, was really funny cause he was just trashing them both. But um, yeah, Paulo is very uh, delusional. Like, like we always say, there's an exception to the rule and Conor McGregor being such a big draw, being a, a superstar, a former two division champion, the first one in the UFC, Conor McGregor is a legend in the sport. So yeah, he can do, he can do the, the those type of things. Paulo Costa is nowhere near the caliber of a Conor McGregor. So um, he's trying to take the easy way out to get a title shot, and that is not the way uh, to get a title shot. To go up and wait uh, to fight someone, not even in the um, 185 weight class, you're fighting at 195. Uh, if you win that fight and then you want to talk all this mess about getting a title shot, that's not the way to go about it. Say he makes weight uh, at 185, he goes out there and, and beats Marvin Vittori in a round and a half or something like that. Now that's what could get you a title shot but the way that Paolo's going about it is completely the wrong way and it's I mean it, it kind of says a lot about his character at this point man um and and how he handles losses so uh you know tough to see because because there's a lot of potential in Paolo Costa um you know the, his, his body's like he looks like Hercules I mean and the way he fights he's always has exciting fights and stuff but you know his 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 mental it's it's not looking very championship like yeah um Look, I think that division is completely wide open for anybody at any given point to potentially become the number one contender, right? So, like, yes, in theory, could him winning a fight at 195 put him right back in that situation? Of course it could, because that division is so wide open, and Israel Adesanya's almost cleared out everybody, right? There are a couple guys that, that have big numbers next to their names that probably at some point deserve a shot, but nobody has established themselves as the guy after Robert Whitaker gets his opportunity. But this idea, to me, it's the whole like idea that you can go fight at another weight and that, that winning at another weight automatically puts you at the front of the line at 185 is, is 
lunacy. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, if I'm Dana, even if he wins and he doesn't impressively, I'm not giving him a title no. shot because because if he does it, if if Paulo does it, that's going to open the door for everybody else to do it. That's going to open the door for um, guys at welterweight or lightweight. If they don't feel like making weight, they can just say, "Well, I'm going to go up. I'm let's let's do a catch weight. If I win this, I still get a title shot. That's not the way to do it. So if I'm Dana, I'm I'm not giving him a title shot at all. I'm making him fight another fight, another uh big another top contender. And he has to actually make 185. Yeah. Then, if you win that fight, then you get a title shot. But uh, you, if I'm Dana, I'm not giving him a title shot off, off, of, off of a win if he uh, beats Victoria at 195. Also, is I mean, I don't know how Dana's going to handle all this. I'll just say this: if they change the the if if this does end up happening, let's say at 195, and Marvin Vittori wins, if you're Dana, do you not consider cutting the guy loose? Costa, yeah, yeah. Especially if he if he gets like, just like starched, you know, um, I would I would consider it uh, because of, you know, I truly feel that if this card wasn't so, you know, outside of this main event, there's not many big names on this card. Right. So if if it wasn't if this wasn't the case, I really feel like this fight would probably get scrapped because Paulo Costa is so you know over overweight right now, and you know, like I said, kudos to Vittoria for being like, yeah, I'll take this fight, but. 211 pounds, like that's not even trying. Like in in most other circumstances, um, this fight would be canceled. Um, there would be Vittori wouldn't even have a chance to take another uh, a catchweight fight. Yeah, they would just scratch this all together because Paulo didn't even try. I think at this point, since this since this main event is needed for this card, I think they'll 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 make this happen for for the card. Right. But in uh, in most circumstances, this fight would be canceled for sure. I and think so. For the sake of trying to keep integrity as part of the sport, like for him to be so dismissive of the entire situation, right? Like for him to completely dismiss the idea that you even need to make weight to fight to me is a very bad sign. What's to prevent Paulo Costa from being in a main event of a big card that does have a lot of feature names and pulling this stunt two days before a weigh in? Because here's the thing. The reality is Marvin Vittori's in a bad spot, right? What's Marvin like? He doesn't benefit from from not taking this fight, right? Like guys have to fight, and you don't. Ha- it's not just you don't have. It's not like the NFL where you play again next Sunday, or it's not like the NBA where you play again in two days, <laughs> right? Like you've just gone through a fight camp, an entire right. fight camp to have this opportunity, and if it falls through, then you have to figure out what's next. Who doesn't have an opponent? Like there are a lot of elements of this, a lot of moving parts, where it's not just as easy as. Hey, don't worry. You're going to play again on Wednesday. So right. the fact that that he pulled this a but is also so dismissive of the entire thing to me, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if he were cut loose. Yeah, it's it's all like a domino effect too because it's, it all goes back to after he lost the excuses that he made, and then of course him becoming hard to work with, him pulling out of fights. Um, like I think he was supposed to fight uh, Vittori before this until right uh, until yeah yeah. And so he's supposed to have, uh, you know, high profile main events and he's just pulled out. So that gives me the thought, like, were you not even training for those? And you just decided to pull out because you weren't ready and stuff. And now you and now you pull this. So, you know, it, yeah, if I'm the UFC and, and if Paulo just goes out there and just looks um, sluggish and looks like uh, not a, a shell of himself. Yeah. Um, I don't really see it a scenario, especially if he loses, where it would get any better. Yeah. So I would. uh I would look towards uh, cutting them. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I wouldn't either.
He pulled out of the Whitaker fight this last April and pulled out. It was Cannoneer, not Till. Till. Cannoneer, yeah, right, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, he, he pulled out of the uh, Cannoneer matchup in uh, August. So two withdrawals just this year in 2021. And now that, like, I don't know, man. Dana doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that will that will have a very long fuse for the chain of events that has led to this moment with Paulo Costa. So I don't know. I, I'm not saying he will or he won't, but if on Sunday or Monday it's, it's announced that the UFC has, has let Paulo Costa go, I would not be shocked whatsoever. I, I would not be shocked either. Uh, yeah. Paulo has definitely handled uh, him being a, uh, from being a contender, having a title fight to to now, it's he's handled it yeah. very unprofessionally, and like you said, Dana doesn't have a long fuse when it comes to stuff like this, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and and in some way, I'm sure Dana feels like he's being held hostage in this situation to salvage this main event, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying earlier. Like yeah. he he feels like he needs to have this fight happen. If not, like this card's probably pretty much going to shit. So yeah, uh, just. Yeah, just have the, these two fight at 195. I mean, as much as you don't like it, as much as you wouldn't have this fight happen regularly, uh, this fight uh, absolutely has to happen for this card. All right, Will, what's your pick, man? Yeah, with, with all that <laughs> being said, man, I mean, I don't think uh, either one of us is going to be on the Paulo Costa side. Uh, just with his mental, I don't see a scenario where he's going to win this fight because Marvin Vittori has a strong belief in him in himself, obviously. Um, whether he's winning or losing the fight, you know, he's got, he's delusional on that front, but uh, we've seen Marvin Vittori in wars in five round wars and come out on top. We've seen him uh, when he fought Izzy the first time he put him in, in a lot of bad positions. Uh, he's beaten Kevin Holland. He's beaten, uh, he's beaten a lot of guys. So um, I feel like at this point, Marvin Vittori is on a better uh, trajectory than, <laughs> than Paulo Costa. I mean, Paulo Costa is very green in the sport. And he's got a lot of growing to do, but he, he's had a lot of he's got a lot of potential. But, you know, at this point, I don't think he's ever going to reach it um, with how he's acting. So yeah. I think Marvin Vittori is uh, in a better position to get a win on Saturday. I just think Marvin Vittori is a, a horrible matchup for Costa. So I, yeah. this is I mean, I, I was going to pick Marvin Vittori to win this before all the craziness of today happened with with this weight stuff. Uh, I still I'm yeah, I, I think that uh, Marvin Vittori can take this fight. Uh, to places that that Paulo Costa doesn't want it to go, and if if for some reason it's on the feet, I, I think you know, like we saw in the few moments that Vittori tried to trade with Kevin Holland, like Vittori's going to be on the wrong end of that, mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, I don't think he's going to welcome that opportunity. I think this this fight uh, is going to be Marvin Vittori's, and it's going to be Paulo Costa being somewhere he doesn't want to be. Yeah, I, I I see this. I see Paulo getting. I see Paulo maybe getting off to a good start, but by the second round, third round, we'll see him fatigue, and uh, from there, it'll probably just get really easy for Marvin Vittori to have his way. So yeah. uh, that's what I'm kind of banking on. Um, yeah, either way, I think it'll be a Vittori win. Yeah, no doubt. All right, my friend, that is it. Uh, covered a lot of ground today. Yeah, a lot of ground, and then uh, next week, it'll be pay-per-view week, man. Pay-per-view so week, big points on the line. Big Saturday afternoon card. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope you're you're strategizing, man. I hope you're getting yourself ready, getting in the war room, you know, because you know these last few pay per views, man. You know, we got a shoey on the Dude, line. Dude, the picks are in the bank for next week. Oh, already in oh, the bank. Yes, okay. they're in the bank. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm ready. I, oh, okay. I like it. I like that. Yeah. All right. 
Like I'm not, I'm done thinking about it. Like I have, <laughs> I mean, you know, if we were going to be like T wood, like it's tattooed, it's there. <laughs> well, um, the I only thing we'll have to do is figure out the three prelim fights that we're going to add to our picks. I, I think, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I think if I know if I know you the way that I that I know you, I think I will agree on the three prelim fights. There's there's three that kind of stand out that are pretty solid yeah. uh, above all the rest. But um, including my guy, yeah, exactly, yeah, and your girl that got knocked yeah. out. But I don't know if you're gonna pick her again. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm yes, I am. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, last last time out, you know, you, you had a little bad memory, but yeah, that's all right though. That's all right. I'm I'm good. I'm good. We're going to rebound. This all right, all right. You're, you're, you're locked in. All right. Locked in. I like it. Locked and loaded. So uh, next week we'll make picks, and uh, I'm not moving off of them. So if we're the same across the board, then we're the same across the board. There's too many points to be uh, going 50-50 balls. So right. locked and loaded, man. All right, man. I'm, I'm excited for all next right. week, man. <laughs> all right, buddy. Have a good week. Uh, we will obviously uh, touch base over the weekend watching whatever craziness ensues from Costa Vittori and uh, – the aftermath of that will be discussed as well. But uh, next week, UFC 267 preview. Yes, sir, man. You have a good one, brother. Podcast is over.